Welcome, everybody, to another episode of SF Live. My name is Kai Hoffman. I'm the CEO of the SOAR Financial Group. This is episode nine. Today, I'm joined by Dave Cole. He's the CEO and president of EMX Royalty Corp. And EMX is a royalty company, so I'm quite excited to have him on today because the royalty model is something we haven't discussed here as of late. And uh, especially at this in this time, in the corona crisis time, I think royalties and uh, royalty investments are quite sought after and are usually a safe haven investment too. So I'm quite excited to have him on. Um, as you all are aware now, um, this is an interactive format. So please use hashtag AskEMX for your questions live here on Twitter. And uh, Dave, so let's switch over to you here. Um, welcome to the show and uh, thanks for coming on the program here. Um, it's great to have you. How are you doing? Doing super well. Thanks, Kai. My pleasure to be here. Fantastic. You're, you're in Denver. Um, I see you're in the office. Um, yeah. how, how are you guys handling uh, the whole situation right now? So far, really well. You know, everyone in the office is healthy. Um, as you know, we didn't go to PDAC this year, the big mining convention in Toronto, taking early precautions to make sure everybody was safe and and uh, um, protect our most valuable resource, which is our people. And so far, you know, touch wood, uh, um, everyone's doing super well. And, and uh, people come into the office just for a few hours to do a few things, keep their distance, uh, and everyone's in great shape. Oh, fantastic. And from what I hear and understand, like we talked to Jeff Ponyas last week, is Colorado is not in a lockdown scenario yet. Everybody's uh, you know, aware. And I'm not sure if a stay-at-home order has been issued yet. But uh... I think officially it, it, is in, it is in lockdown, but it's kind of a Colorado-style lockdown where people are supposed to use their common sense. And so, so far, I haven't heard much in terms of numbers increasing or anything going crazy out there. So I think you guys are doing fine. So it, 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 I think we've reached the zenith um, and the rate of new cases per day, um, as elsewhere in the world, have started to decrease. Okay. Um, you, you mentioned you, you canceled your PDAC participation, and we briefly talked about it off mic and off off stream here. Um, can you explain to us just a little more, like what led you to, 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 to canceling? Oh, geez, we were following the numbers closely. Um, and it was, you know, we were looking at the doubling times um, with doubling times at that point in time outside of China running in the three to four day range, you could do the math. And we thought it was irresponsible for PDAC to continue forward. Um, and we elected not to go. Uh, and I think that was the right decision. Yeah, from what we heard, probably in hindsight was was definitely the right decision. So glad oh. everybody's doing well here. Um, also, you, you mentioned before protecting people and health and safety is the, the utmost importance. I'm glad you didn't say the treasury. Right, because so, um, you you guys have sixty nine million dollars in the bank, yeah. And um, like as I said before, like I think you, you guys are probably your phones are ringing off the hook. I don't even want to see your email inbox, right? And uh, projects seeking financing or alternative financing. Yeah. So maybe give us an update on how that's looking like right now. So yeah, our, our incipient deal flow, both from the organic side of our of our business, where we're out acquiring projects, adding value, and selling them to an industry hungry for new opportunities, particularly on the gold side, is doing really well. You saw a press release we came out with a couple of days ago, um, where we sold three gold projects in Idaho, but also on the acquisition, royalty acquisition, and strategic investing side, uh, the phone is ringing, emails are coming in, as has been the case now for quite some time, and we've got a full team: geologists, metallurgists, engineers finance people, crunching numbers, and the motto is fail fast. So we're trying to to look at those opportunities and quickly discern those that we're not uh, not interested in and fail those so we can focus on the ones that look good to us. And we're very picky investors. So um, what, seen, what in particular are you looking for? I know you, you, copper gold is sort of the, the main yep. focus, but uh, any, anything else like regions? Because like, you're a bit all over the map. And remind yep. us, how many projects do you have in your portfolio right now? 
Oh gosh, it's it's um, uh, well over 120. Yep, global mineral property positions, and that would include royalties as well as projects that we're advancing to sell and ultimately generate a royalty via our organic business model. Yeah, and that that's worked out quite well. That's hence you have 69 million dollars in the bank as of December yeah. 31st, right? So, yeah, because um, you sold your share in IG Copper, if I remember correctly. That's correct. We're in fantastic shape. We have almost as much money in the bank as all we've raised in the history of the company. Um, and uh, 80 some royalties around the world, 40 I think are cash flowing in some form or another, uh, and uh, the business model works. Fantastic, how much cash flow are you producing per year? So right now uh, we're, we're in that sort of three to $4 million per year, but we've got a very strong future outlooking um, beyond that, uh, where we're at right now with the Timuk royalty in Serbia coming online in 2021. That's copper gold, one of the be one of the bigger uh, copper gold, new copper gold mines in the world, where we're sitting with a half a percent royalty. That's going to be very significant to us. And then one of the most significant cash flowing royalties that's about to kick in, which is a catalyst. And one of your questions uh, that that one of your viewers had was, what are what are forthcoming catalysts in EMX? And that's the lead zinc silver royalty coming online. Um, at Balia in northwestern Turkey, and uh, everything on site there is moving ahead. And that was a district scale consolidation where the company that owned the mill bought uh, the project that was owned by our counterparty, where we have the four percent uncapped, unviable royalty. And and uh, we're very excited about seeing royalty checks coming in in the latter part of this year. Okay. Um, royalty checks coming is a good point, actually. And I meant to ask in, in terms of Corona again, like, unfortunately, yeah. we have to keep coming back to that topic. Yeah, but sure. um, a lot of a lot of mines are shutting down. I think we're close to 150 mines um, across all commodities being shut down. How do you see impact then a your cash flow? But how do you see that impacting um, the, the ramp back up and just in general, the global supply chain? Like, how is that looking? Yeah, so specifically the, the two mines that active mines uh, that we have cash flow coming from the Leeville mine in Nevada, operated by Nevada Gold Mines. Uh, we have not heard that they have shut down yet. In fact, um, I, I believe there's only one copper mine in the state of, of Nevada and no gold mines that I'm aware of, at least. Uh, I, I could be wrong, uh, uh, that are out of production. Um, also, the Rawhide mine, where we have equity interest in that project, is expected to be a nice cash flow flower for us as we move into the next year and the years after that. We're very excited about our ownership there in Rawhide. Uh, and they um, just spoke with them on the phone a couple of days ago. They have no coronavirus cases. They have very few employees on site. They're all isolated in their hall packs. It's an open pit mine um, and one crusher operator. So there, there's a lot of distance between those employees. They do not anticipate needing to shut down, which is very important for us. Uh, now, with respect to, so that's just our micro uh, case, but yep. you asked more of a more of a macro. Uh, yep, um, both, yeah, exactly. Sure. So, so. Um, you know, definitely big copper mines are shutting down, that it will impede the the copper supply. That could be actually bullish um, for copper prices. And, and we've, you know, been monitoring the copper price very carefully as we moved into this crisis and through the crisis. And copper has been extraordinarily resilient, which I think is telling us something. You've heard the comment before that copper has a PhD in economics. And- uh, um, Dr. Copper. That's right, Dr. Copper. So it, it, it's interesting. Sure, copper prices have come off, but they haven't come off as much as you would have expected, nowhere near to the same degree that oil has, uh, as one example. So um, the, uh, uh, you know, we, we, we view that as cautiously optimistic, and we do understand that China, the world's largest consumer of copper, is going back to business quickly. Um, 
And so it's not inconceivable that we see a V-shaped recovery here. Uh, and we could be in a situation where, where the copper supplies were already tight, copper mines going out of production, um, helicopter money and, and, and uh, pent-up demand all of a sudden hits the market. That could be actually in the medium term to long-term bullish, but let's assume that's not the case. Let's just assume that that copper of which we have a very um, bullish outlook for long-term just has a nice slow recovery and comes back to reasonable prices. Long-term, the price of copper has to go up because the amount of copper being consumed on planet Earth continues to rocket forward. Yeah, just supply and demand, simple economics, yeah. as you said. Um, and didn't Trump announce a two billion or two trillion dollar infrastructure spend plan as well as part of his packages? Oh my gosh, those guys can't—they can't give away enough money. Yeah, you know, both of those political parties just argue over which one could give away more money. It's—it's it's just astonishing to me. And um, at what price is that? And 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 it, you know, I think that folks smarter than I am with respect to macroeconomics feel that that's devaluing two currencies globally because many governments are doing this. And so what does that point to? And that points to precious metals. Yeah. No, no, I think we're in a perfect rally. And I heard Ross Beatty and others say like $2,000 this year, without a doubt, and might be even earlier this year if uh, the short the shorts have to co start have to cover, right? So at 1642 or something we're at today, so. People in this business are uh, will be very happy um, at $2,000 gold. Yeah, no, I can imagine. Very, I can yeah. imagine the, the margins are insane. Yeah. So, um, um, you have $69 million in cash, right? Yeah, so so you, you just, you, but you keep distributing that cash piecemeal, piecemeal, right? So yep. um, I think you bought something from Rivello, but they give you money back because they owed you money. So you only invested like $750,000 or something into them um, for, for their royalty. What do you plan to do with the $69 million? Well, we're analyzing opportunities right and left, strategic investments, cash flowing royalties, royalty portfolios, um, other prospect generator portfolios that exist. And um, um, we are very scrutinizing and only the few that meet all the filters and the criteria that we have will be purchased and invested in. Uh, you can see the few deals that we've done of recent. They're distinctly accretive deals. Um, and uh, I think you're, you're likely to see more of these small incremental accretive deals being done by us. Okay. But the possibility of us finding a, a big meaty one that we really like certainly does exist. And we're trying for that also. Our, our main goal is to try and find a big meaty accretive transaction. But if, if in the process that we're moving towards that, we find small deals that make absolute sense to us, we will execute. And that's what we've done so far. Um, I got to ask it because it just came to mind. We've seen two young guys from a Cisco leave, start their own company, G uh, Guerrero Ventures, and acquiring mm -hmm. the royalty packages from Yamana and Orion. Mm -hmm. uh, that's a massive deal. Uh, unfortunately, or unfortunately, I might be misinformed here, but I've seen they only raised $3 million in GNA uh, and they were looking for like 300 million or something. Like what's the landscape out there? Um, I might I might have the wrong information, but I remember they were trying yeah. to raise more money. Um, they only raised three. And I think they were looking for it 10 times that, in my opinion, like, from, if I'm not mistaken. And please correct me if I'm wrong. Um, like, in this scenario, like, royal, like, pension funds and other, like, generalists have to start reallocating funds, right? Um, would you be open to such a deal? Let's say you'd have the, the pension fund of Ontario behind you or the teacher's pension fund of Ontario behind you um, by a $300 million royalty package. Is that something EMX would entertain? Or, as you said before, are you just chasing the small uh, the royalties? Mm -hmm. 
All right, that's an interesting question. So uh, what you're asking is if something really large came along, would we, would we be able to handle that? And the answer is that we've had a number of, of good groups. Um, I, I probably shouldn't say who, but a number of strong players in the business that names you would know um, that have said they'd be delighted to syndicate opportunities with us that are too large for us. And and I think that syndication is a good way to to move forward in a synergistic manner on, on some of these big uh, opportunities that do exist. Um, so that's a, that's a distinct possibility. Um, we do tend to find the best value in some of the smaller overlooked opportunities thus far. Uh, but as I said, we're, we're happy to look at the big ones. I'm just looking, uh, looking up your share price and how you guys been doing a trading at $2.05. I think that gives you a market cap of $164 million. And um, you were so uh, Canadian. dollar enterprise value. Yeah. That's, uh, no, that's that's insane. Are you worried that you might be taken out by one of the bigger guys? Because your TMOC royalty, I'm sure, is uh, yeah. interesting if you folks. Oh, well, the TMOC is worth more than our market cap, um, as is the, and the Leville royalty is worth a, a substantial percentage of our market cap. The... Um, you know, a, a number of different uh, companies have made overtures to us, um, not on a hostile basis, but on a friendly basis. We believe it's premature to sell the company. Uh, the fruit on our tree are just starting to ripen, and we're nowhere near in the right spot in the market cycle to sell. So we're not sellers. We have a young, smart team that has gained a lot of experience over the course of the last 15 years, and we're, we're building this company. Um, it's not the right time to sell. With respect to um, any hostile bids that were to come in, I think that's unlikely because we're we're very close to a, a large majority of our shareholders. No, that's fantastic. Who are your majority shareholders? Just remind us real quick. Yeah, so Paul Stevens is the largest individual shareholder. He's bought most of his stock out of the open market. He has around 14% of the company. I'm at 4%. And uh, Sprott Global and their retail clients, that, and as well as funds that they manage collectively, are in roughly the 30% range. Of course, that would vary um, as those retail clients uh, buy and sell, but it's a significant percentage. And they've been with us uh, via Rick Rule's um, passion about this business sector and about EMX since the very beginning, 16, 17 years ago, um, and uh, still a huge supporter of us has been for many years. Uh, I think you're one of his top picks right, uh, right now, aren't you? Yeah, 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 I believe that is the case. Um, and then there's some, uh, you know, a number of funds that are in us, some Swiss funds and, and US-based funds, and and uh, uh, collectively with a few phone calls, you know, we can communicate with 65, 70% of the shareholders. Oh, that's fantastic. Okay, that's, uh, that should protect you from some shenanigans here. <laughs> yeah. So, and and you know, our, look, our ultimate goal is to do the right thing for the shareholders and make the maximum amount of money that we can. Uh, and uh, uh, we don't think the time is right to sell today. Uh, but uh, when the time is right, we will. Okay, great. I've been asking a lot of questions just to have the conversation, get an update from you in regard to obviously what's going on. And uh, you guys are working. Uh, that's important. Uh, let, let's switch over to Twitter. I just... Uh, switch sure. the frame here the scene as well um so we got a couple of questions coming in and please use hashtag ask emx uh for your questions here on twitter and uh, we have california minor uh california minor or minor california on twitter asking uh hello david with many royalties to choose from one of the reasons i'm hanging on to my uh emx shares and i have to switch to twitter because for some reason my feet cuts it off and i'm still looking for a solution if anybody has any input there please let me know um he's hanging on to the emx shares is the encero deal would you please tell us the future upside you see with Encero? Environmental is huge. So that's the tweet yeah. in, in its entirety. So, 
you know, the Encero deal is a, a classic example and a recent example of us thinking laterally as to how to create value for our shareholders. And there's a lot of embedded optionality in that deal. We get a um, 6% coupon rate on the money that we put into that in the preferred share shares that we own. We got 7%, 7.5% of the common shares of that company. And we also get double principal payback um, at the end of the uh, of the loan period, uh, the, the, the preferred share purchase period. So there's a lot of wins right there. But the biggest win actually is forming a regional strategic alliance with them in the Western US and Western Canada, where we are applying their environmental skill sets to clean up um, environmentally uh, um, um, hampered assets and then combining our economic geology skill sets to unlock value. They've got a history of doing this. They're the ones responsible for for cleaning up and advancing the Keno Hill mine that's been very successful in the Yukon was a big value add. We're looking for other opportunities such as that. And then uh, with the goal to ultimately using our organic pathway to generate royalties through the unlocking of value in, in districts that have been ignored because of environmental challenges. Um, so we have lots of ways to win for the oh, just, The penny just dropped for me and Zero is obviously the spin out from Alexco. Yes. Sorry. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, that was yeah. previously Alexco Environmental Group. Exactly. So we, we um, uh, bought preferred shares in the company to help them take it private out of Alexco. Yeah. Uh, another question from California Miner. I know it's, you can find it in its entirety here on Twitter. We're not editing or cutting anything out. And uh, his comment is circulating around Twitter. Is CEOs talk of insider buying, but in fact are being paid a large salary with either private placement money or company cash. So, th so therefore, it's not really insider buying because it's company money. Can you comment on that? Huh, I'm, I'm confused by the question. Um, I think it's so, more about uh, because you have a few royalties and other stuff in your portfolio that uh, is in other public companies. I think the question is more. A lot of company CEOs talk about insider buying right now and are doing some yeah. insider buying, but they're still receiving large salaries. So. Yeah, so so um, I guess large is relative. Um, um, and my salary is all publicly disclosed, so you're more than welcome to go and see that in all of our uh, documents. And of course, that's always the case every year forever. Um, my insider buying has been prolific and consistent. I've been buying now for, I believe, seven years, have not sold a share for seven years of exercise, my options held the stock, paid the taxes on stock grants, in addition to open market purchases, which have not been uh, small um, over that time. And that's why I'm, yeah, I've increased my percentage ownership on a fully diluted basis to just over 4% now. Uh, very bullish. I think the stock's trading at excellent value, putting my money where my mouth is. I bought some stock in the pullback uh, from the COVID-related uh, um, issues. Fantastic. Oh, that's, that's great. I think that's exactly what in, uh, investors want to see companies backing their deals, right? Um, another question you sort of hinted to, it's, it's from Resource Alpha. At Resource Alpha, you mentioned it is the catalyst, um, but, but maybe you can be a little more precise catalyst for the next six to 12 months for, for EMX. What's Resource Alpha? Oh, sorry. That's his name on Twitter. Uh, oh. at, at Resource Alpha is his uh, Twitter handle. Oh, catalyst. Oh, sure. Well, so I, I, you know, cash flow from Rawhide. We're very excited about that. That's a successful startup mine. They're working How on. How much do you expect from there? Sorry. So, so we're not. I'm not allowed to say because we don't have 43101 okay. document completed on that project yet. Um, but we bought it specifically for the incipient dividend cash flow. We expect that to have a very high rate of return. Um, and they're in the process of completing a 43101, which will enable us to give more specifics and guidance around the cash flow that we expect. Um, but until that time, I can't say it publicly. That's just the, the law, right? So you know that. The um, the other catalyst certainly is advancement of the huge copper gold mine in Serbia. 
uh, Timok. The other, the other one is the one I mentioned in Turkey, Balya, coming into full-scale commercial production. We've already received royalty checks from Balya from the small-scale mining, doing the metallurgical testing, and uh, to make sure the mineralization has continuity and has good metallurgy, and it does. Um, that was the catalyst for the buyout by the neighboring company that owned the mill. That's a 5,000 ton per day mill. So we expect those royalty checks to, to kick up nicely um, at the uh, end of this year and headed into 2021. So there's a lot of catalysts that are in the near future for us. When is TMOC supposed to go into production? You said 2021, but is there a, a quarter or something associated with that? So I, I believe they've said first quarter. Um, if there was a uh, if there's a, uh, a slowdown because of COVID, you know, which wouldn't surprise me, maybe second quarter. Uh, but keep in mind that the that uh, Xinjiang, the SOE that that is the counterparty to our royalty there, um, have signed a memorandum of understanding with the Serbian government to invest 474 million U.S. dollars yep. into into advancing that project, and they've defined the timeline, said that they'd be in production first quarter of 21. Yeah, so let's just stick with that for now because I haven't heard anything out of Serbia yeah. in terms of COVID. And I'm sure they have their odd cases here and there, but uh, yeah. it hasn't been, it hasn't made the major headline news yet. So um, another question, we briefly discussed that beforehand. So, and we lost Dave. Dave, I just heard Skype go off. Uh-oh. Let's call him back. Just before the last question, <laughs> just about to wrap this up here. Dave, you disappeared on me. Yeah, sorry about that. Okay. Um, I had a computer issue, so now I'm on my phone, but let's keep going. Okay, hold on, hold on. I need to reframe you here because uh, people could just see. Uh, okay, how do I. Tip? Let me. Since we're doing. I'm doing this live, live editing on the show there. Because I only had one last question. I'm going to ask it. Uh, I'm yes, going to ask you if you can answer it. I'll do the, techni uh, the technical part while you're answering it. And the question is, we briefly discussed it before, but how does a company like EMX or other royalty companies model um, assets that are failing to deliver, right? Since mining is yep. a risky business, how do you sort of account for that? Do you write them off after five years, after 10 years, I guess is the question. And the question mm -hmm. came in also via Twitter from Oswaldo at OSCW123. So you can find the whole question on Twitter as well. Yeah. So there's a multifaceted answer to that. You know, and um, certainly there's specific accounting modeling that has to be done on producing assets that have significant value. And they're either written up or written down annually based upon the project, the production and the forecast of production as compared to what it, how it was modeled when it was purchased or, or the last time that an adjustment was made. And so the auditors make comments about that. And so you've seen us make adjustments, if you go back and look at our financials with respect to the legal royalty, for example, where they've had a decrease in production related to uh, ground condition problems in the underground mine there. But to balance that out, they've had some fantastic exploration success on the property. So that, that, that's actually a prime example to look at to see how that's done from an accounting perspective. But I think that the, the meat of the question actually has to do with how we design a strategy from a royalty acquisition standpoint and manage that risk within our portfolio. And the, the, the best way to manage that risk is via the prospect generation business model, or what we call royalty generation, where we are um, acquiring prospective mineral rights around the world inexpensively, adding value by doing smart economic geology, selling those assets on in exchange for royalties and other cash payments, where we have a very small amount of money invested in those projects. The bulk of the financial burden and thus the risk is on the counterparty going forward. And the bulk of the royalties that we have in our portfolio were generated through that technique. And uh, some folks call that the prospect generation business model. It's a very powerful model. 
uh, and we do that in addition to buying when we can more advanced royalties. Um, and so by having that balanced portfolio is the way that we uh, manage that risk. Now, how many of those projects actually come forward and become producing mines? And the answer is a very few. Uh, that's just the, that's just what the statistics have shown over a long time. That's what we expect. And our business model has that risk built into it. You only need one or two or three um, high quality royalties to come from the portfolio to be wildly successful because the amount of money that you're spending to build that generative portfolio is, is pretty small um, in the big picture. Yeah. No, and uh, you, you've proven that. Like you guys are actually the best yeah. case study for that as well. Your, uh, the sale of IG Copper uh, was the best example for that and you're benefiting from that now. And that sale happened a year and a half ago. Yeah, and, and, and that sale actually speaks to our ability to think laterally because not only do we do the royalty generation, but we also make strategic investments. So those same um, economic geologists working around the world will identify an opportunity to say, we cannot not own this stock. We have to own this <laughs> stock. So, And we make investments. And our track record on the investing side is fabulous uh, with a better than 40% internal rate of return on invested capital over the last 16 years after tax. That's insane. That's great. David, thank you so much for joining us. We don't have any further questions here on Twitter, which is great. Um, we got questions coming in. We had like four questions asked and answered. So that's really good. Um, I want you to stay safe, stay healthy. And uh, we're looking forward to 20, uh, the rest of 2020. And of course, with Timo coming on in 2021, this is going to be crazy. So thanks for your time and uh, have a good one. So Kai, my pleasure to be here. Thank you.